Hi, this is Mark. And this is Francois doing the Daily Ride podcast for Tuesday, March 6, 2012. And even though... Somebody gonna get a hurt real bad. <laughs> we're still putting the commute in commuter entertainment. I am not a conjurer of cheap tricks. Is what Gandalf would say if he were doing this podcast. Right, right, right. <laughs> Your uh, mug's still up on the... Yeah, I know. Just won't, making sure. Won't, won't fit in there. All right. Will it not? <clears throat> no, it will. Yeah, it will at an angle. Oh, so you got to drink a, a little before a you can coffee tilting angle. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, feel much better today than I did yesterday. Do you? I feel kind of crappy today. Really? Yeah, I got a cold, sore throat. No, stay the fuck away from me. Just go. Don't worry. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually worried. No, nah, you'll be fine. You'll I be fine. Although Sam was pretty sick and I didn't get his cold. I think that's what I got. Oh, really? It was Sam's cold, yeah. And I, uh, I was closer to that boy than anybody. I did not get a lick of that cold. Uh, I, I guess the alcohol in the syst- your system kept you safe. Hey. Help uh, me out of here. Help that me out of here. Bad idea. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Crisis averted, more or less. More or less. I have no napkins. Why not? I don't know. I think I used the last of them cleaning up the last coffee spill. Yeah. Uh, all right, hold on. I'll bring a, I'll bring a wipe in hold later. On. I'll get it. Uh, 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 I'm getting some of it. Boy, and that nearly landed on my lap. Did it really? Yeah, well, it's coming right down, you know. All right, and a little of this. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> it's everywhere. This is why I uh, switched to a automatic. Yeah, so you can drive and Pretty drink much. coffee at the same time. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, hold on. <coughs> and... In there. Standard is much more conducive to my driving, my coffee drinking style. You mean automatic? Uh, automatic, I mean, yes. Yeah. This uh, cold has addled my brain. <laughs> yeah, that's what addled your brain. Uh, hey, 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 That's right. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> what now? Um, so, uh, all right, well, that's kind of cleaned up. Yeah, if you come out here with a baby wipe later, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'll do. Um, and so, uh, I so saw that coming too. I know. Ray me. You did. You're um, like a prophet. I, I, ooh, like a modern spooky. day prophet. Spooky. Yeah. So, uh, what's new with you? Other than the fact that you nearly got coffee all over your mm. yarbles. Uh, nothing really. I've, uh, I've, uh, I've been enjoying. Well, I enjoyed that first episode of uh, Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, considerably better than I thought I would. Okay. It's a good show. I mean, I like Sherlock Holmes, <clears throat> but after reading uh, Houdini's biography and books by commentary, I guess by Penn Jillette. Right. It's uh, hard for you to get past uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, nuttiness. Nuttiness. Yeah. You know what? It, it, he was totally nutty, but his character is one that believes in reason and and shuns the supernatural. I know. That's what's so hard for me to... Isn't that weird? But I think it was later in his life. You see, I think it was... He went and he saw a phrenologist or something. Right. Who dazzled him. Who dazzled him. Uh, Ambrose Give me Beers. the old razzle dazzle. <coughs> Ambrose Beers, one of my favorite American authors, says that defines phrenology as the art of picking your pocket through your scalp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah. Well, maybe maybe he was a totally normal guy, and then something happened to him, and he just well, went that's a what he said. He said no. He said he, he said I had a. <clears throat> First of all, he got behind the cause of those two British chicks who claimed they photographed fairies in their backyard. Sure. 
<clears throat> which has been well proven that they're fakes. Yeah. If you look at them today, they look fake. Super fake. Like, I mean, like... Extra fake. You'd be like, oh, who photoshopped that? A fifth grader? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And they look like cardboard... Just cut- learning how to cut and paste, are you? <laughs> they look like cardboard cutouts, which is what they were. Right. But he, he got behind and defended them. He said, no, I've seen the photographs. These things are real. There were fairies in her backyard. Hey. Oi. You know, with no evidence other than those crappy photos... He right. didn't go out to the scene and see fairies for himself, even in a delusional state. Right. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't call, uh, you know, what what's that TV show where they go ghost hunters? Right. To come out and set up their uh, fairy detecting devices. Thank you. Yep. He just took it on what can be only described as faith. Sure. I was gonna I was trying to I was working on a joke in my head about fairy detecting devices and gay guys, but I couldn't make a I was like, yeah, I have a fairy detecting device. It's called, called your my, penis. It's called my eyeballs. No. Uh, penis. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wow. Uh, I think my dad just called me gay. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, moving on. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a bit of a nut bar towards the end of his life. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I mean, it doesn't invalidate his good work. No, that's true. Uh, you know. And you want to work, and you want to talk about a character who works desperately to prove that the the supernatural is not a possibility. You look at Sherlock Holmes. I know. You know, because a lot of his stuff was like, you know, oh, this bad guy came back from the dead. And he's like, no, he didn't. But what There's was a trick his, to this. What was his motto thing? It got me thinking about his motto thing. His motto is... Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Oh, the, once you've eliminated... eliminated... Once you've eliminated, eliminated the impossible, whatever's left, however improbable, must be the answer. All right. That's what uh, it is. Okay. <clears throat> that's a that's a motto that seems to support reason. It does. Uh, well, it supports the truth. Well, except that you know what? It leaves open this thing. Well, it's improbable <clears throat> that you know ghosts flew out of my ass and commit committed the crime. Right. Okay. Well, of course that it's <clears throat> like it, it pertains to what you have evidence for, not what. Not just anything. You don't pick the next thing. There's not a list of things, and they're like, no, all these are impossible. And the thing, the next thing on the list, it, it's improbable. But apparently, space aliens came down, right. abducted him, and uh, changed all his physical. I features. haven't ruled that out. Must be yeah, it. I haven't ruled See, that out. See, I don't out. like that. It's idea. improbable, but it's not impossible. I, I don't like that. Idea. Well, I, what's going on over there? What the hell's that? Is that the Shelburne Business Park? Uh, <laughs> that's what the big sign says. <laughs> like sprung up overnight it seems I know right that's weird maybe they just cut down those trees so you can see <coughs> it now maybe so because I know that they'll the sign says men working I don't see a goddamn soul uh, it's going to be right up around the corner sign says one lane road ahead I, I, I don't see that I don't, I don't see the one I don't see no one lane road I, I don't see that but, but uh, he's talking <coughs> Sherlock Holmes specifically is talking about what you have evidence to support at that point, you know? And he's saying it to make a case of, like, okay, well, I believe that this guy faked his own death and rigged the tombs, you know, because what he's saying is, like, complicated, you know? Right, right, right. And he's and he's trying to show that, like, look, once you've eliminated the impossible, like, fairies coming down and setting him free and, like, bringing him back to life, or him actually coming back from the dead, which is impossible, or stuff like that, whatever's left, which is my theory, however improbable, must be, must be the answer. All right. I, I, I don't have that big a problem with it, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I, but what I do is it's made me now go back and question every goddamn thing he does. Yeah. You know, so I look at the movie. Is there a religious motive here? 
<clears throat> not a religious motive, but supernatural. just some sort of uh, attribution to the supernatural. Well, that's it, and that's the thing about it. I don't think you're going to find it because, you know, the the whole uh, the whole thing with the Sherlock Holmes books is like the criminals keep trying to attribute things to the supernatural, and Sherlock Holmes <laughs> keeps debunking them. Right. You know, like the, I mean, isn't that so what the what hound the of Baskerville and him? Moriarty and uh, you know, maybe he just got old, and you know, when you get old, you start fearing death, and when you fear death, you start believing in the supernatural. Well, that's probably what happened. And his poor buddy Houdini. But does that happen to? I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, it's his poor buddy Houdini. Yeah, his poor buddy Houdini he was trying to like, no, 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 just quit it. Come on, man. Well, that's the thing. What I mean, you Houdini was traveling around debunking psychic surgeons and. Yeah. You know, proving that the supernatural, you know, as people would, charlatan would try to rip the ignorant townsfolk off. He was out there saying, don't believe it for a second. I can conjure that trick. Right. I can do the same trick. I can trick. do it, and then I'll show you how it's done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the mirror. And Sherlock, yeah, on the, the other hand, curtain. you know, unless he was getting a, a kickback from the Phrenology Guild. Which he... Could he have been? Well, I hope he wasn't, because that would really just be sad. Well, it would make his motives a little more understandable to me. It would. Yeah. It would make him a crook. It would make him, yeah, but a criminal. But... Anyway. so I, Not even a criminal, but unethical at least. I think it would be fraud. Really? Yeah, if you know the shit you're selling doesn't work, and you're selling it as if it does work. It's like if I sold you... Uh, a blender, a blender, <coughs> a bladeless blender. Right. <clears throat> and I said, uh, it, uh, oh, this blender is better than all the others because you never have to clean the blade. Yeah. It's a bladeless blender. Anyway, <laughs> really, but how does it, how does it, uh, how does it uh, slice, you know, chop up the stuff? Magic. I say, right. <laughs> exactly. Magic. I say it That's uses it, it uses a uh, a psychic blade. Psychic and it actually taps to, into the energy in your mind. But you have to believe it's there. Right. It taps into the energy in your mind. And you take it home and you put your fruit you put your uh, fruit in there to make your smoothie and your frozen yogurt. Your frozen yogurt and you you and your switch orange the, juice. You don't plug it in, right? Because you use psychic energy, so you flip the switch on it. And you concentrate really hard. Should spring to life and and it doesn't do anything. Make your smoothie. And you bring it back, and I say, listen, it works fine. This is just a chunky smoothie. And I and I uh, I surreptitiously plug it in, and flip it on, and put a blade into it. Right. And and I switch it. I say, see, it works fine. And then I give it back to you without the blade and the. Without the blade in the and, cord. And, and you, I say, you just didn't... It works fine. Look, it works fine. I so, What I sold you was exactly what it is, but it's... You uh, didn't think hard but enough. But you didn't... You know, you must not have enough psychic energy. It's not my fault, you know, that you're weak psychically. <laughs> You'll just have to strengthen that psychic muscle. Right, and I give you six exercises to do that. And you go home with your... At half you, price. With, half with, price. With your blade. At half price. Yeah, right. I sell you the instructions. Right. Okay. Exactly. And uh, and then I send you back home with your blender <laughs> <coughs> and and more money out of your pocket. Right. I think I've committed a fraud. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, this is a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, but How many now here's. Do you think we could get to buy a psychic blender? We really sold it properly. Uh, I'm sure there's some townsfolk we could uh, swindle. Swindle, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but so that begs the question, right? If you go into a psychic, sure. <clears throat> and the psychic knows she's a fraud. Well, if the psychic knows she's a fraud, then that's one thing. But if the psychic really truly believes, that, you know, if what she's doing is essentially just a cold read, right? You know, but she doesn't know, you know, she doesn't she, know she, she's doing she, a cold yeah, read. Yeah, she doesn't quite know. She doesn't understand what she's doing. I mean, it is true. You could do a bit of a cold read. It's like that guy who was selling uh, dowsing rods. Yeah. <coughs> he really thought they worked. 
Right. He he did not think he, it was not a fraud. Right. He was an idiot and he was wrong. <laughs> but and when they proved him wrong, he was shocked. Right. He couldn't believe it. Right. It, it was sent a sent a you it know really shook his faith. <clears throat> yes, it did. Weird. Because he thought they worked. Yeah. <laughs> so it, in that case, it wasn't fraud. <laughs> but if he had a continued selling them afterwards, then he would have been a crook. Fraud. Yep. Okay. Fraud. Because he would have known they didn't work. I believe it's pronounced fraud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Freud. Sure. Yep. So, uh, speaking of uh, two buddies who one day became enemies, watch X Men First Class last night. And? Uh, pretty decent <laughs> movie. Good, good action flick. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, it's funny. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous to say, but I kind of wish Magneto going bad would have come more as a surprise. Okay. <laughs> you know, just in the movie, sure. like, I mean, everyone knows what happens. But uh, but I wish it had, like, kind of... I wish his betrayal had been more significant, okay. I guess is what I'm saying. Because, like, the whole time... Uh, now, did the... You know that announcer? Coming to theater soon, X-Men, the best movie ever. Uh, yeah. Now is that fraud? Uh, well, they never say the best movie ever, but okay. They they usually say the best what action if, movie. What if this. they say instant classic? Instant. Since that's a oxymoron, is it a is it a lie and a, therefore fraud? Well, I think they believe it. <laughs> so. Because they don't understand the words instant and classic. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, <coughs> But anyway, so I was, uh, I was so, I was watching this, uh, I was watching the movie, and like the whole spoiler, spoilers, um, not that I can really spoil it for anybody, but uh, how long has it been out? A while. Yeah, you don't have to put that warning in then. No, but and the oh, story, by the way, and the crying story's game, crying well game, it's a dude. What? Crying game, <laughs> crying it's a game, dude. it's a dude, it's a dude. Turns out it's a dude. Turns out it's a dude. Um, but uh, <laughs> dude looks like a lady. Just ruined the crying game for you. Dude if you looks haven't like seen a lady. it yet. Dude looks like I a lady. I actually haven't seen it. Dude looks like a lady. Dude looks like a lady. Got it. Um, so uh, and the story's well established. It'd be like it was the crying game a book before it was a movie. It's, it seems like it, but okay. <laughs> It'd be like if the crying game had been out for like you know. 40 years <laughs> right <laughs> and, and then turned into a movie um so uh so yeah but the whole time uh professor professor xavier is having to uh he's having to uh reel in magneto you know, like, right. Magneto keeps trying to, like, <coughs> Magneto's whole mission is to kill the, kill the guy who tortured and killed his parents. Because they, it was like a whole Nazi thing. You know, he was in a camp, and his mom was shot right in front of him just to get him to use his powers. Sure. And so, and so he was, uh, he's pissed off, and in the whole movie, he's kind of trying to hunt down... Uh, this guy and Professor X is helping the government hunt down this guy and their paths kind of cross and they start working together and they become really good friends but they have two very different philosophies which is that Professor X wants to live in harmony with the humans and you know just kind of try and make everything be play nice and get along and you know work with them to help them and uh, and Magneto sees it as a evolutionary step and that uh, that the humans will one day become extinct and only mutants will be around. Who believes that? Magneto. Alright. Okay. And while Professor X thinks this transition can happen <coughs> uh, gently and naturally, Magneto thinks that there will be a war. Gotcha. And Magneto wants to kill the guy who tortured him, and uh, Professor X just wants to bring him in. Alright. You know? Uh, so, so, the whole movie, Magneto is kind of doing, like, it, you know, is kind of going a little too far, and almost killing people, and, 
you know, behaving kind of sinisterly. Sure. And whereas, uh, and then, and it's always Xavier who has to, uh, kind of say, hey, you know, stop, don't, don't kill that guy. And then, so, I don't know, I just kind of, I wish that, uh, the evil hadn't been so easily detected so quickly. Right. You know? Well, you know, I mean, those are, comic books are notoriously broad strokes, you know? Right. Right. So, and there, but there was a good balance of like, you know, he he's trying to be like a good guy, you know, like he's trying to do the right thing, but it's really just not in him. I'm not going to be watching it. No, I know you're not. That's why I'm telling you all about it. Yes. You don't have to watch no, it now. I know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Save me that. Save me. Uh, I wish somebody had told me about uh, Crying Game? Deer Hunter. <laughs> No, actually, Crying Game was not a bad movie. Okay. Uh, but I wish somebody had told me about Deer Hunter. What was Deer Hunter? Uh, it was just three hours of nothing that... with one 15-minute intense scene. <laughs> or 10-minute intense scene. Did that have Ben Affleck in it? No. <laughs> what <laughs> but, am I thinking of? But it could have. The Deer Hunter. Hmm. Deer Hunter was this po uh, a post Vietnam thing. <laughs> it was about these three ex who had who had returned home <coughs> and were, and were so still looking for some killing to do. Well, they were just they were so because you know the the adrenaline rush of being in a war. Right. Was so intense, and then coming back to their rural lives right. was so boring that they played Russian roulette to relieve the tension. Gotcha. To relieve the tension. <laughs> and the tension of boredom. Right. It's an anti-tension. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, Russian roulette does not sound good to me. Oh, no, that's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Who plays that? Uh, Why would one play that? <coughs> one would not. Some people play for money. How do you play for money on Russian Roulette? Uh, well, because first of all, <coughs> it seems like a game where everybody loses. Because at best, best well, case scenario... Well, you play scenario, for money because people are paying to see you play. That's, best case scenario. Best case scenario. You wind up with a dead guy. <laughs> now you got to dispose of the corpse. No, that's the worst case scenario. Is that really the worst case yeah. scenario? I thought, like, somebody was going to die for sure. No. I thought you just kept playing until... No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, that's not how it works. I mean, it can be how it works. You play with each other. Sure. But, but each time you you spin the, the wheel fresh. I gotcha. Right? So it's not like, you know, you have diminishing chances each time. You okay. always have a one in six chance. Okay. I'm with you now. I didn't understand how the game worked. Yeah, you don't want to be playing without knowing the rules first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with this game. It's a game you really want to know how to play. First. How's it done? <laughs> because if I take, if I spin the wheel and I take a shot and then I give it to you and you just take a shot, you've only got a one in five chance. Gotcha. <laughs> Okay. All right. I understand it now. I'm I'm with you. <laughs> so now when you go play, okay. At least you No, now when I go play Russian. You know the rules. Oh, I, well, you it may... sounds much more appealing now. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> um, maybe I won't cancel this week's game. Yeah. Um so uh so yeah, Deer Hunter. You know what movie I haven't seen in a long time? That Which was, one? It was good. Uh Apocal uh Apocalypse Now. Did you watch it? I did. Oh, it's a good film. It was a great fucking movie. Martin Sheen is in that. I know. Who looks like... A lot. Who looks like uh, Emilio Estevez? No, he looks like Charlie Sheen. Really? Yeah. I saw I saw Emilio Estevez, <coughs> like, right away. Really? I thought it was Emilio. Oh, no kidding. Go go look at a picture of a young... Uh, well, I know it's a, he's a cross of both, but I always thought he looked more like Charlie. No, no, no. I was totally getting Emilio! <laughs> He's a good actor, though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And the whole thing was uh, 
I saw that movie alone. <laughs> in in, the Ed, in Edmonton. Yeah. When it had first come out. And uh and everybody was silent walking out of the theater. <laughs> nobody like, oh man, was a, that was, yeah, that was like, I'm t- different now. That was it. <laughs> kind of kind of that's how people were behaving. Right. <laughs> that movie fucking changed me. A little bit. It was weird. I mean, you did want to... I just want to go home and take a shower. Kind of. You wanted to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to deal with it. It's like, I got to go sit in the cup. Yeah, the coffee and, shop, and, have a cup. You know how You know how life. when people leave the, the, the movie theater, they're all like, oh, you know, should yeah. we go get a cup of coffee yeah. now? Shit chatting. They're, they're like, talking. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I didn't realize... I didn't realize that... Uh, that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. I didn't oh, like that's the lighting. Wonderful. I really like her. And you know they. Sure. Yeah, yeah they critique the movie on the way out. Everyone's just like, "Oh fuck, man." Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm looking care. upon the world with I, new eyes, as no, if it was new. Yeah, I don't care. Critique away. But. Uh, um. But that was it. Nobody was talking. I mean, really, nobody was talking. Big crowded theater. Everybody walks out in silence. <laughs> this is quite something. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. Fetch. Fetch. What? Fetch. <laughs> so, what's going on? Uh, I'm about to merge in it. Here. No problem. <laughs> that was uh, going on. There's no, uh, there's no joke there. No, no it joke. Could have been if I had fucked it up. I did not. I executed it skillfully. You made it into the slot then. I'm, I'm, I made it into the slot. Okay. Didn't have trouble getting into the slot. No, right slipped right into the slot. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not 100 percent right now. Not 100 percent. Nope. Feeling sick? 75%. Feeling ick? A little, little crappy. Got a bit of the ick. Throat's a little sore. However. 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 Yeah. Song's on iTunes. Yeah, your song's on iTunes. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, ooh, I'm gonna be making 74 senses hand over foot. <laughs> hand over foot? Not hand over fist. Is that hand over fist? Why is it hand over fist? Where does that come from? I, I don't know. I hand do know. over fist. You're making money. Fist. Hand over fist. over fist. What? I don't get it. Maybe you got so much money in your hand. <laughs> in your fist. You have to put your hand over it. Hey, that was Nelson Moore. So you say? You could say. You could have said, by the way, you could have said, hey, that was Tom Waits. And they're like, yeah, what the fuck, what's he doing here? I didn't see him. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just saying. How's Nelson Lyme doing? Have you spoken to him lately? Uh, I bump into him downtown from time to time. He's uh, he's doing well. He's uh, working construction. Nice. Uh, hanging out in Burlington. Sure. Got a girlfriend as far as I know. Wonderful. Uh, see his sister from time to time, too. I've seen her occasionally in the yeah, store. She's nice. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, anyway, that's that story. Moving on. <laughs> sure it wouldn't, Tom Waits? I'm looking at my hand over my... sure it wouldn't, Tom I'm looking at my hand over the fist, and I don't see any... Like, I I'm not getting I think the story would have been better if it had been Tom Waits. Okay, well, all right. For all... Well, we'll go back in, in post. <laughs> and I'll say, hey, look, it's Tom Waits. And you'll be like, holy shit, really? What's he doing here? There you go. And we'll just change the, the whole, conversation. So we can leave the conversation the same. It'll just be Actually, more let's interesting. just stop recording now. And it'll it'll be more interesting yeah. if the subject is Tom Waits. Okay. We'll you'll pro- be like, really? Those, those guys know Tom Waits' sister? How do they... Mean- <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's he doing in Burlington? Tom Waits has a sister? I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> well, it may not be. Uh-huh. You know what I love is I love that scene in Coffee and Cigarettes yeah. where Iggy Pops and Tom Waits are getting together. Out. Yeah. And they're just so different. You know? It's bizarre because in some ways they seem so the same. Well, it's not like it's clearly a little scripted. And, you know, Iggy was told to act one way and Tom Waits was told to act another way. They're not getting on, right? Right. Because Iggy is just trying to... Iggy wants to be friends in the, in the scene, you know, and it's not like, and uh, it's bizarre because Iggy is trying to like, he's being very positive and he wants to, 
he wants to. I think the the pretense of the whole scene is that uh, they both have a mutual they have a mutual friend who said that they should meet and maybe work on a project together. Some music project. Right. So they're meeting for coffee. Right. And they're both trying to be uh, cool. <laughs> it's it's very yeah. you know they're both trying to be cool. And, uh, and they're both trying to be, and Iggy's, like, being pleasant, and Tom Waits is being intellectual. Right. A little bit. And, uh, and there's, a there's this funny moment. Do you think that's because Iggy is cool, and Tom Waits has to work to be cool? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. And, you know, so Tom Waits is trying to... Because yeah. I think if you are cool, you can just be your damn self. Right. And they're both trying to, like, it's there's this weird moment where they're talking about smoking. You know, and that's how that, like, that's how the cigarette right. part of it gets brought up. Because they're both trying to pretend like they don't smoke anymore. But they both desperately want a cigarette. You know? I gotta go back and watch that again. Yeah, it's a great scene. And Tom Waits is like, uh, <laughs> and, you know, or because I think Iggy offers him a cigarette or he says... Or he, oh, one of them came in and put the cigarettes on the table, and Tom waits. I think at one point asks, Sir, "Are those yours?" But he asks it in like a "You smoke?" You know, like "Ew" kind of way. Right. And uh, and Iggy's like, "No, those were there when I came in." <laughs> you know, because he just wants to make friends. So if it, if Tom waits doesn't like smokers, then he's not a smoker. Oh, really? Yeah. I really gotta watch that. Again. And. Uh, Cause I remember it being a good scene. Yeah, yeah. It was a really, it was a great scene. There's a, there's a couple of great scenes in that one. There's one with Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that's a really good one. The one with Stephen Wright and uh, some guy I don't know his name, but uh, Stephen Wright and this like Russian guy. They sit down at the same table for some reason. They don't seem to know each other, but. Uh, but Stephen Wright says he has a dentist appointment and he doesn't want to go to it, so he gives the guy his dentist appointment. Oh, yeah. You remember that? That was a weird one. Uh, I'm trying to think. There were a lot of good scenes. There's a scene where uh, the famous actress is meeting up with her clearly kind of trashy cousin. Oh, know? yeah. And she's, like, working on a movie, and she wanted her cousin. Like, they used to be really good friends when they were younger, and so she's working on a movie, but she... She wants to see her cousin. She's in the town where her cousin lives. Right. And so she invites her cousin for coffee, and uh, just like the two worlds it's are awkward like, between them. Yeah, because there's just such a such a barrier, you know, such a money barrier at that point that they can't, they have nothing in common. Yeah, you know? I remember that. That was a good scene. That was intense. Yep. You know what else I want to see again? That sort of it, it's funny. That it reminds me of that in tone. Is uh, uh, Night on Earth. Night on Earth. That's the one where it's taxi drivers. Yeah, right? so they travel around the world with these taxi drivers. They spend an hour with each taxi driver. Yep. Uh, in different parts of the world. Yeah. And uh, one of the riders in that's actually pretty good. Yep. And uh, so Rosie, what's that? No, 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 no. Uh, she's a Spanish girl. She's uh, short. She's an actress. You see her around from time to time. Uh, I don't know. Rosie O'Meara. Rosie O'Meara? Uh, I can't remember her name. But uh, she's sort of got an annoying, like, Chihuahua-ish personality. Okay. Uh, anyway, she's uh, she's in a, in a scene that's quite good. Right. There's a scene that takes place in, I think it's Reykjavik or something, in Iceland, or, uh, anyway, it's just, it's well done, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Right. And a good sort of treatment, and it's all very dark. Right. But, at the same time, very human. Right. Yeah. And I think it's taking place, a lot of it's taking place in the sort of week. Oh, and there's a brilliant scene with, uh, uh, <coughs> who's that Italian comedic actor? Uh, who's that? Life is Beautiful. 
Never saw that this video. Stop the train. Seriously. I can't believe you haven't seen that. What's life is beautiful? I can't believe you even call yourself sort of a, a person who cares about you like no, I hate movies. That that's what <laughs> I expect to follow a statement for life. No, I haven't seen Life is Beautiful, but I fucking hate movies, can't sit still for them. Really? I, I mean this is a really great movie. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. I'll check it out. I'm not you know, like I'm working it's my way through some movies right now, okay? I got a list in fact from Derek. Hold on. Hold on. He gave me a list and uh, on it I'll read it to you. Hold on. Well don't even you won't even be able to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add it to the list. Alright. Yeah, add it to the top of the list because you won't even be able to judge the quality of those movies okay. without having seen life is Does he have an Italian accent? He plays a, the cabbie, and he's got a monsignor in the back or something. He's got a a, an old, a religious dude in the back, and uh, and the guy dies. <laughs> it's just a great scene, and it's all he's just firing through the streets of Rome, just all through these little streets and stuff. It's it's really well done. Right. Okay. So. Uh, I got on my list Rounders, which I've never seen. Uh, Inception, which I've seen. I can actually cross that one off. Ooh, awesome. uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. Miller's Crossing. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Okay. The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Haven't seen it. And now I've got Life is Beautiful. And I wanted to add one more that's kind of a classic that I've never really seen. I forgot that the bridge over the river Kwai. No. Maybe dances with Oh, God. Horrible. <laughs> Don't watch that. Okay. I already saw Avatar, which was essentially alien version of dances you're with le You're less of a person if you see. Like, you're, you're worse off as a human being after you've seen dances with wolves than before you saw it. Really? Haven't seen Dead Man. Haven't seen Dead Man. A brilliant film. Haven't Jim Jarmusch, you must see. Absolutely must see. Scene with Iggy Pop as a cross-dressing guy. It smells boy. like cigarettes. It smells like cigarettes. Do you smell it? Is it me? Do I smell like cigarettes? Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Ah, crap. Um, Hands. Oh, maybe I touched her jacket. Ah, oh, crap. Uh, Dead Man has a, a cameo, Iggy Pop, across playing a cross-dressing hillbilly. In? In Dead Man. Dead Man. Oh, yeah, that's right. Can't be missed. Can't be missed. Absolutely uh, just a star performance from... Uh, uh, well, Johnny Depp, of course, is great in it, but right. but a star cameo by uh, uh, shit, is that cowboy actor uh, Lee Marvin? Lee Marvin, right? Just outstanding. He's compelling, right? Uh, and then it's then it's sort of a weird, weird, weird film. Okay, uh, as only Jim Jarmusch can do, right? Uh, there's another... And it has the feeling of talking cigarettes. Okay. You know, that sort of... Surreal, but, but very... So real. Right. So right. real, hyper, surreal. Hyper real. Hyper real. Hyper real. Man, you know what I love about coffee and cigarettes is that uh, another scene is that scene with the two black guys, the two French yeah. black guys. And there's the one guy, he's having problems, but he just doesn't want to talk about it. His friend is desperately trying to drag, him, drag it out of him, you know? And it's like, it's such a real... That's a super scene. intense... Yeah, it's just like, you know, he's like, uh, hey, what's, you know, what's the matter, buddy? And it's like, uh, that's just, you know, let's not talk about it. <laughs> he's like, come on, like, you've been my friend. And he's like, really trying to get the, you know, what's bugging him out of it. And finally, he's like, all right, fine, you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to talk about it, you know? Come back to me when you're ready to talk. <laughs> no, it's, it's, very, a, it's a good scene. Yeah. 
And again, just superhuman. Superhuman, yeah. yeah. Not superhuman, but... No, intensely human. Intensely human. Is that better? That's, I'd say it's better. When I write my review, when I write my critical review. Yeah. I'll say intensely human. Intensely human. human. 4.6 times. <laughs> intensely human. Intensely human. Mark Bouchet blog. Um, that's what I'm going to call my blog. Uh-huh. Intensely human. Hey, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about the media. And I was thinking, are there any news organizations out there who are just reporting the facts anymore? Top-down journalism? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much gone away. It had, you know, it's funny, it used to not exist, right? Sure. And it, and then they, before that they had what essentially was yellow journalism. All the newspapers with the penny presses were... Uh, sponsored by a party. Right. So essentially, you know, a, new, a newspaper would have been the uh, media wing of a political party. Sure. And they would present their opinions and their sides and their worldview of what's going on. Right. And and it didn't uh, it didn't really uh, you didn't really have a, a, a notion of an objective press. Right. And then you had all the penny press. Ah, crap! Uh, our, I just plugged us into the Why does that not surprise chat. me? Hey! I think the audio is not too bad. I think I can fix it. Alright. I'm going to count on you, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so it goes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so, okay. So, But we were talking about in case we have to delete everything we just fucking recorded. You know, no, uh, don't. Oh, yeah, we're talking uh, about the press. Uh, yeah, you're not going to delete it. You know what? You're going to enhance it, and we're going to use it. Enhance. Simple as that. Enhance. Simple as that. Enhance. <laughs> all right, go. <laughs> sorry. Words lost all meaning. No, words is lost all meaning. Uh, um... So you were saying about top ten. So the penny presses, the the penny would be the wing of a political. Right. Exactly. Okay. And and no no, the the penny presses would be were the essentially media version of a. No, they were the penny presses were essentially just sensationalist journalism. It's completely sensationalist. They were like all you know national inquirers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and then the then the the higher quality presses with the better writers and etc were sponsored by the political parties. Okay. And uh, so you, so there was no notion of objective journalism. Okay. And I can't remember who it was, but the the idea began to arise of a notion of what's called top-down journalism, where you would have an objective, fact-based journalism. Right. And it followed a formula. So, like, if you were going to write a story, you'd get your headline. Your headline was your one piece of sensationalism. Right. <laughs> and the idea was to draw the reader into the story. And then the very first thing you would report in your news story... Right. ...would be the most important salient fact... Right. ...of the story. Yeah. So, like, you know, a uh, car crash... A uh, car, nine car pileup on I-89 uh, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Okay. Like, the, that's the big story. That's the big thing. Okay. And then the next bit would be uh, a, a better description of, the, of that event. You know, uh, right. maybe describing the conditions of the weather, reporting, rather, the conditions right. of the weather, how many cars, maybe which car <laughs> was the first one to you know, start smack into the others, you know, any facts you could gather. Then there would be supporting quotes from people on the scene. Yeah. Is it weird? As you're describing this, I want to start reporting it in my old timey voice. <laughs> <laughs> Nine core pileup on 189, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you'd... you'd Alfred Smithers, the driver of a white Ford... <laughs> was first on the scene. Was first on the scene. Uh, and is uh, quoted as saying, uh, the fog was so thick. Quoted as saying, the fog was so thick, I'm surprised we didn't crash earlier. 
Right, exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you give more details, maybe the names of people who were in the crash. Sure. And then uh, you might do, you might uh, have some other details, you know, less important details. And then uh, you might then do some background work where you say, you know, this has been a problem spot before. There have been, you know, several other car pileups here. It's a particularly dangerous area, particularly early in the morning when the fall settles low on the road. Right. And you might ta then talk about the fact that, uh, you know, legislation is currently being talked about in the town to, uh, you know, put up a sign that says, look out, it's foggy here. There you go. <laughs> you know, so right. so you'd go from the most and important that is news. Yeah, the most important facts, <coughs> details to the least important drills. Details describing the most important facts. Uh-huh. Interviews and quotes from people who were on the ground and okay. were eyewitnesses to the event or have in-depth knowledge of the event. Sure. <coughs> then any supporting background information. Yeah. <coughs> The end. Cool. And, and it's not an opinion piece. Right. You don't put your opinion in that. <clears throat> you don't try to color the story with... You try to write it well, so it's not dry writing. Right. But you're not trying to embellish it in any way, make it funny. You know, you're not trying to make it super interesting. Right. It's so what facts. happened to that? Well... Turns out that hyperbole sells better. <laughs> so slowly but surely, you know, you devolve into opinion, which is what it sounds like. It's people's opinions, so they can, you know, just say it has nothing to do necessarily with facts. It's people's opinions about what they think the facts are. Right. So, and in that, you can be, you can employ all manner of uh, hyperbole and. Right. And you can you can uh, say you know vitriolic things, and you can uh, you can cherry pick the evidence, so you can present all the evidence that supports your case and omit all the evidence that uh, detracts from your case. Right. Uh, and you can you know so you can create begin creating partisan stances. Okay. And people largely want to hear their preconceived feelings that go back to them. Right. As opposed to hear the truth. Right. Whatever that might be. Right. And sometimes it will. The truth will reinforce your preconceived notions, and sometimes it will contradict your preconceived notions. Okay. And we like those things that reinforce our you know, preconceived notions, so we're more inclined to gravitate towards them. Which is why, you know, people oh, like little bonfire there. people like Rush Limbaugh, you know, uh, you know, fascists love his rhetoric. Sure. Because those he he uh, supports their with his opinion and his biased reporting of of information through yeah. omission, omitting things that disagree with him. Uh, ca uh, caters. That's not really the word I want. Not caters, but uh, panders. Right. To people's preconceived ideas. Okay. And so they'll have a tendency to split off into camps. Gotcha. You know, where, where you know, you're following the reporting that supports your preconceived notions. Right. Um, and, and so since that sells better, uh, people, uh, papers that want to sell have, you know, moved away from top-down reporting and more towards opinion and really yellow journalism where you're, where you're reporting news like Rush Limbaugh might say it as if it were fact. Right. You know, it's sort of if I report only the facts that support my case and omit the facts that detract from my case, which you can absolutely do. Gotcha. Uh, and the top-down journalism requires that, to the best of your ability, you ignore your case, right, and present what you uncover, right, as you uncover it, 
and that you not try to you not start off writing an article trying to prove your point. Are there any institutions that are doing top-down journalism anymore? You know, there are probably some newspapers that are, you know, true to... Right. I feel like, you know, like, whatever happened to people trying to bust things wide open? <laughs> well, people still do that. Uh-huh. Um, it's just devolved largely into a partisan endeavor. Okay. So I only try to bust wide open the things that that guy does because I don't like because I don't like him right and the guys that I like I don't look into their messes right so it's become partisan right and as it's become partisans it's also become suspect sure <laughs> because you know you find out that uh, you know uh, so-and-so uh, who claimed to be a strong man of strong family values according to his uh, rhetoric Right. Uh, you know, had been having a homosexual love affair for 14 years. Sure. Uh, and you report all about that, but when your guy does it, you're like, well, you know, it's totally understandable. You know, like, right. you you don't... Well, that's a lot different. <laughs> yeah, right. His situation was... I mean, he wasn't in love anymore. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you... How can you ask him? A man you know, you lose who your clearly credit. likes homosexuals you lose and your... doesn't love his wife. Yeah, that's right. You lose your credibility when you report all the other guy when your cannon only fires in one direction i guess that's it right um and so i think a lot of our modern journalism has devolved into essentially punditism or you know just opinion pieces right so that's great you right. know but if, if you don't need the news if if you don't yeah if you're not interested in sort of at least trying and i'm not saying you can never sort of objectively you know, reach total objectivity. Right. You know, that's a that's an ideal. Yeah, unless you just make a list of things that happened. But even that, you know, you can't list everything that happened, right? Sure. It's just impossible. So there's going to be some decisions made as to what you list and what you don't list. Okay. The minute you begin editing as to what's important, you're making a decision as to what's important for other people. Sure. But I think to the extent that you try your best to remain unbiased, that you use that as an ideal and strive towards it, even with the understanding that you'll never achieve it at 100%. You know, cops, you know, uh, good cops, you know, want to do a, a good job, but they're never going to, you know, they're never going to do a perfect job. Sure. Uh, and that's true with just about everything. You know, you're never going to do a, you know, a, a, you can always do a better job. But if you give up caring about whether you do a good job or not, right. then all you get is crap. And if you give up, uh, if you just say, "Well, it's impossible to be unbiased, and therefore I won't, I won't I care about, it. With it. I won't even bother with it," and what you get then is yellow journalism. I gotcha. Just the lowest form of uh, partisan <laughs> of information of partisan bickering, essentially. <laughs> you know, it's not information. It's it's misinformation. It's misleading information it's partisan misdirection it's partisan bickering i see all right well all that being said ride the fuck on right on